Oh yeah, everybody knows that song. Synonymous with a certain type of car and from being one of the great automotive movies of, well, the 90s. Lowriders are not just something that everybody thinks it just goes slow, looks really cool, and has hydraulics. Lowrider has a culture that follows it, has automotive cars within it, and has family. Lowrider isn't just about the car, it's about everything that goes into it. And today, that's what Autolux is talking about. Autolooks Podcast coming to you anytime, anywhere from around the globe on any major streaming site from Autolooks.net. Welcome back to the Autolooks Podcast. I am your host as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. Coming to you from our host website, Autolooks.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out. Go to the Corporate Links website and the help pages and check out some of our ratings and reviews. Along with that, we're going to thank Podbeam.com for getting us out onto every major streaming site. Whether you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or even Amazon Music, we are there. And Podbeam got us there. So if you want to add a comment or share this, Go to any major streaming site and look for the Autolux podcast. And we'd also like to give a thanks out to Feedspot.com for getting our feed out to everybody in the world and for hooking us up with all of the other major automotive podcasts from around the globe on top of it on blogs as well. So like I said in the beginning, Lowrider. Everybody knows this song by War. Hell, it's even been remade many, many times. But the original song by War is also the one that you heard in Cheech and Chong. Now we've already covered how Cheech and Chong helped create and helped bring to light the lowrider culture from around us. But lowrider culture, what is it? Where did it come from? Why is it here? Why do people want to build these hydraulic cars low to the ground, just go cruising? Well, lowrider culture has been around for a very long time. Ever since the 50s, when we first started customizing cars, people wanted to get as close to the ground as possible. Of course, back then, you're only chopping the roof, dropping the shocks, and in some cases, painting flames or having them shoot from the rear of the vehicle. Take a look back at the movie American Graffiti, and Richard Dreyfuss' character gets picked up by a bunch of guys cruising around an old Mercury. Yes, the Mercury Coupe one of the first and original vehicles from lowrider culture. But where did it go from here? The 60s saw a lot of great big vehicles, and occasionally people wanted them to drop down to the ground. People wanted to go cruising. People did it in their Corvettes, too. They just wanted to go cruise the strip. Well, lowriders were a different type of culture. Lowriders at the beginning seemed to only be inclusive of one specific part of the automotive segment and one specific culture in mind. But Southern California and two guys named Cheech and Chong help bring to light lowriders to the masses. And as we've all heard from our podcast about how Cheech and Chong helped the uh, lowrider culture and bring it to the automotive world and to the rest of the world, lowrider culture really started coming out from there. People started to take notice. And lowriders soon became a part of rap videos. Easy e said it in NWA's Boys in the Hood, cruising in the street in my 64, because he's cruising down the street in his Impala 64. Where Mercury ruled the day before it, Chevrolet became the most synonymous company associated with lowrider culture. And Impalas and even Cadillac DeVille's became some of the top cars in lowrider culture. Hell, Chevrolet back in the 60s and early 70s was building some of the biggest cars around. Not the biggest car around, because Chrysler still holds the title of having one of the longest cars around. Which is kind of funny, because, you know, everybody thinks of big cars that think of Chevrolet, not Chrysler. But Chrysler had a lot. But so did Lincoln. Chevrolet just made cars with low-level roofs. Look at the Impalas back in the 60s. They had low roofs. Sweeping lines. You just look at them and you say, oh, that would look so good slammed to the ground. Oh. Oh yeah! 
And in the 60s and early 70s, people were doing it. People were dropping it like it's hot and making those cars look so great. But like every part in the aftermarket industry, Lowrider has no bounds. And when Cheech and Chong brought out their next movie, they didn't have the love machine anymore. He didn't have his Impala. No, he had a Chevy van with hydraulics on it and a kick-ass paint job. And then come in mini trucks in the late 80s. Now, we've done a podcast about mini trucking. If you want to hear it, go back, listen to it after this one. Mini trucking. Talks about the whole industry and where it's going and where it could be going. Hell, we can be going back to it. Lowriders, on the other hand, today's generation really couldn't go back to it. We don't have the big, huge sedans or even coupes that we once had. Two-door vehicles are it. We like cruising the streets in two doors. Lowrider culture is more about making your vehicle look good than making it go fast. Custom work is the prime example of all lowrider vehicles. Take a look at them. Go online, go to Google right now, and search lowrider. I guarantee you're going to find tons of vehicles with multiple different colors of paints. Amazing graphic. Hell, etched chrome. Mini wheels, wire wheels. Like lowriders, all right? They are not just a car with hydraulics that people want to go up and down in. Sure, you could drop it like it's hot and cruise the strip in your 6.4, but lowriders, well, they're more about personalized than any part of the aftermarket industry. Its humble beginnings allowed personalization in the form that they used to drop it as far down as they could. And they did this through custom fabrication, literally cutting parts of the roof off to lower it down. On top of that, flipping your springs, bringing your drive shafts up, like literally original cars until hydraulics started becoming big in the 80s. Full body rebuilds were it. And to do that, you need more than just yourself. Lowriders aren't just about putting tons of power underneath the hood like the muscle cars or imports. No, they're about dropping it like a tot. They're about cruising. They're about looking good. They're about bringing your family with you. Driving up to Shro's. Going to hydraulic competitions. Showcasing your personalization off. Lowriders are all about the show, not about the go. And the funny thing is, is that is where the import market kind of skews the line between performance and showcase. Muscle cars were big, and performance products have always been big. But then mini trucking market and lowrider culture came out, and we started going slower. Import tuners wanted to go fast, and then they wanted to show it off because they put their cars even lower to the ground. And then they did more personalization. Fiberglass, interiors, televisions, gaming systems, custom interiors. The import scene blended the two best worlds of the aftermarket industry into one. And what does that have to do with lowrider culture? Well, lowrider culture may be known to being part of Southern California's car culture. Hell, Southern California is essentially the hotbed of lowrider culture in the globe. But there's one other place in the world where cruising culture and lowriders is big. That's Japan. You have to remember, thanks to the gentleman's rule, Japan doesn't allow vehicles over 200 horsepower to be sold from production lineups. So the aftermarket industry is in abundance because everybody wants to personalize their vehicle and they all know they can make it go faster. But their government stipulates you can't sell them a car that goes that fast and has that much horsepower. So the aftermarket industry decided to go it alone. Blending the best of both worlds brought these two worlds together. And because Japan was already known for lowering vehicles and adding mag wheels, well, 
It was just a matter of time before they picked up on lowrider culture in Southern California. Next to California, Japan is the second biggest aftermarket industry in the world. Hell, it would be bigger than Japan because of their market capitalization there. So when you're thinking about aftermarket tuning, everybody always thinks of California and then Japan. And Japan has its own lowrider culture. They actually import vehicles from the United States for lowrider culture, or they track down old vehicles that were once sold there and rebuild them. Hell, they've even utilized their own product ranges for their own lowrider culture. And with the mini trucking market in North America, lowrider culture in Japan is naturally going to be part of it. The Japanese do it the exact same way as the Americans do. Big old cars, tons of chrome, and an extensive amount of personalization. You may seem to think, well, that's a little different than, you know, Southern California. But no, it's not. Big cities and car culture. Every single type of car culture exists in Japan. And lowrider culture is one of the ones making a breakthrough. Where North America, it seems to be only in major cities, and mostly in California, where lowrider culture exists, Japan is growing. Lowrider culture isn't just about the cars, it's a lifestyle. And if you've ever seen the movie Lowrider, it helps explain that lifestyle. It's more of a family, it brings them all together. And like we say, everybody feeds off everyone else for information about how to do things. Everybody's got their own personal touch to their vehicles. And with a lot of the paint schemes being similar to that of what you found in California in the 70s, with multi-tone and a lot of weird colors, especially oranges and greens, the lowriders are bringing it. They kept that alive. Polishing your car and keeping it clean is top of mind. Not just when it's a show car, but when it's your personal car. Most lowrider culture people baby their cars. Their car is part of the family. It's not just a car. It doesn't just get you around. It's a part of the family. It's your baby. You have built it your way. And every year I go down to Toronto and I go to a show. I think it's called Motorama now. It keeps changing names. Last year when I was there with my son, I took a picture of a bunch of lowriders. I took a picture, actually, of an Impala 64 for him. And the aluminum they had on the the front grille of this thing every square inch of it was custom they had the whole thing etched like just to do that one area that i got a picture of would have taken them hours upon hours to do now why would you do that gotta think about it. if i want to go fast i can you know buy myself an engine spend an entire weekend in the garage rebuilding the whole damn thing and then like less than a month have this thing back on the road where i'm just going out doing my nighttime driving to try and break in my engine and all my parts and then go out racing but lowriders like just the paint on this can take a month all the inquisitive etching the custom interiors like everything matches and everything is unique so unique that they developed their own magazine to showcase their entire culture off to people. They wanted to show people these cars are more than just something that's low to the ground with small tires. No, lowrider culture is art. The greatest artists in the automotive world reside in the lowrider world. Because when you see the products that they create, it's amazing. Like, anybody can go and take some of these cars. I got a picture on the podcast of an old Lincoln Continental Mark 8. This guy's got it dropped. He's got little wheels and, like, chrome whatever. 
It's clean. It's nice. Added to that, I have a picture of, again, a 64 Impala with roses on it. These are not decals. This is not wrap. This is paint, which means somebody spent the meticulous time painting each one of those leaves to look the way it does. They spent the time mixing those colors, taping each square inch of these vehicles off to ensure that it's perfect. And then they also took the time to create all of the lines, etching in tons. And this is just the exterior of the car. But the intricate work you see on lowriders is amazing. You know, they always talk about every year about these special art cars that they bring to uh, the Goodwood Festival of Speed. I am yet to see a lowrider at it. Because being in the automotive industry and knowing so much about automotive design and focusing on basically the design aspect of the automotive world on top of the entire industry, I know that the time you take to make that car look amazing is a piece of art. The car in my garage has a custom emblem on the hood. I took the time to put my customizing logo on the hood of that car and with three different colors it took me a weekend to paint the thing paint dry paint dry paint dry you know remove cover up put the next color on paint you know i did it it takes time there is an art to making it look that way and it's not as easy as you think i'm looking at one of the pictures that i you know, got for this podcast and it's of a bumper with all of this specialty chrome etched and it's just amazing like i'm sorry that is an art car there's another one where people took post-its, used post-its to create a lowrider. The hood of one of the Cadillacs on our website. It's, I'm sorry, but that's art. Look at the amount of colors. I'm just going to go like one side here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven different colors until you get to the changeover from the oranges towards the pinks. Not inclusive of the fade effect into it. And I've literally done done a fade effect on an old bike when I was a kid. I tried to make blue fade into black like the night sky. McLaren has since done that. It's not as easy as it looks. People who wrap cars, where a lot of people in the import scene or in the muscle car scene will wrap their cars. The lowrider scene is still about personalization. It's still about doing all of these amazing intricacies to make your car stand out from everyone else. Anyone else can put hydraulics on a vehicle with little mag wheels, but only you can etch your company's logo into that bumper or take an entire month just to paint the hood of your car with the intricate amount of colors in it. The Love Machine was Cheech's attempt at building a lowrider. It was low. He customized the interior, but he had a long way to go before that thing would be the true Love Machine. Next to it, I have a picture of the same Impala with fully customized, little wire wheels, and full hydraulic system. It's personalized, but to go from the Love Machine to that, that's a long time. Personalization is the biggest thing with the lowrider industry. Personalizing your car with where you're from, your favorite saying, or even your name in the back window sets you apart yet again. Building a custom interior gives you that comfortable ride that you want. And where lowriders have taken us on a journey for being a dropped Mercury Coupe to cruising in that 6.4, it's even today rolling around in a Buick Roadmaster of all things. Hell, even the old Chevy Caprices showed us the lowrider culture is here. Here. You can drop nearly everything. Making a lowrider out of a full-size pickup truck exists. Doing mini trucks exists. You could drop anything to the ground, but to make it a true lowrider, part of the culture, your personalization has to be into it. You have to make that vehicle stand out from everyone else's. And that is what lowriders are about.
It's not just about being part of that culture. I watch it every weekend when I go up to the car shows in the summertime. You know, the cruise nights we have around here. And all the import guys go up. They got their own spot. They go up and they congregate all together and hang out with each other and don't associate with anyone else. Muscle car guys kind of do it. But there's one lowrider in town that always shows up. And when they show up, everybody goes over to see the car. Everybody wants to see how that thing is completely different than anything else. It stands out from the crowd. It sets you apart from everyone else. And like I said, I can go out and spend tons of money and buy a Corvette. Hell, I can buy a Mustang. I could drop a hundred grand into it and make it super fast. But I can also pay people to do that. But when I spend my weekends and my free time in my garage with a little mini etcher doing intricate designs into my dash, that's my car. That's mine, man. I'm sorry to say, but that is my baby. That is a part of it. And keeping that thing clean and cruising the streets, that's a part of me. You know, a lowrider knows every street corner. In my case, a lowrider around here knows every pothole. And driving with the hydraulics up in our city is probably a lot safer than dropping it straight down to the ground. Because I've seen people that drop it straight to the ground and let's just say, all you hear is anywhere they go. Not a cool thing because when even you don't want to, you're doing it. Lowriders are a part of select markets, select cultures. But when they show up at a car show, they're part of the show. They're a piece of art that stands out from everything else that is there. You could show up with a Lamborghini and stand out because your design and your price point is higher than anyone else's. But when you show up in Snoop Dogg's own Snoop DeVille, completely customized, well, you just brought the Picasso to the Garfield party. Anybody can make a cartoon, but very few people can make art. And Lowrider is all about art and bringing your family together. So where do you see lowrider culture going in the future? Really, for myself, old classic cars are one of the only ways to keep this culture alive. You can add hydraulics, like I said, to any vehicle you want. In my hometown, there's a guy that added that to a 96 Impala SS. Like, okay, it, it's part of that, but I would consider it more part of the import scene, not lowrider culture. There's not a lot of new vehicles I would consider to be part of lowrider culture. The last edition of the Impala really wouldn't classify into lowrider culture, no matter even if you tried to make it look that way. But when you take the time to make your car look and feel that good, maybe it just is a part of lowrider culture together. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment about it and get it out to all your friends, your family, anyone you know. Write a comment in the field. Tell us about your lowrider. Show us pictures of it. And if you want to hear more about this, go check out some of our other podcasts about mini trucking and Cheech and Chong in the lowrider market. We like to talk about many different things from the Autolux podcast. And after you've done all that, stop by the website, go to autolux.net, take a check on some of our Corporate Links websites, uh, look up some of our previous podcasts to see some of the images that we were talking about, some of the art that exists in this culture compared to everywhere else and see what we're talking about go to japan see their lowrider culture on top of the import scene on top of the muscle car scene on top of the van culture holy crap they got tons and when you're all done with that and you sent your comments and you push this out say thank you to podbeam.com for getting this out to all the major streaming services and feedspot.com for allowing you to find us a lot easier so for myself everett j and the autolux podcast drop it like it's hot strap yourself in and let's cruise the streets